Good morning, everyone. Good to be with you this morning to open up God's Word with you all. If you've got a Bible there, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And just while you do that, let me remind you of where we're at in our teaching series, and then I'll outline our focus for today. Here in Carn Money, we're in a series that focuses on our vision and our values. What is our vision as a church, i.e. what do we believe God has called us to do here in Carn Money? And what are our values as a church, i.e. what do we value most while we try to fulfill this calling from God? And essentially, our vision and values revolve around three key phrases— Going deeper as disciples, growing closer as family, and reaching wider in witness. But can I just quickly reiterate that these September series, they're really important. Whether you are new here or you've been with us for years now, this is all really important. Sometimes when church leaders talk about vision or values or strategy, we can kind of think to ourselves, oh, here we go again. Big church, but just big church chat. This can all sound really glossy. And listen, I get it. This can all sound like corporate language that's been poached from the business world, or like this is all just a kind of set of conceptual ideals, and it's not just the gritty reality of church. But listen, it is not that at all. When we return to these series, and when we look at our vision and values, this isn't that kind of thing. Please hear us on this. Do you want to know what I hear when we talk about our vision and values as a church family? Or when I open up that all-in strategy document that's in your pews in front of you? I hear an earnest prayer book that helps us as a church family express our deepest sense of God's calling, our deepest desires of what we're aiming to do, and much, much more importantly than all of that, our deepest aspirations of who we want to become like while we do all of this. And so there's something in all of this series, these September Vision and Value series, that reminds me of the Psalms, honest prayer and genuine aspirations about our faith. So today, as you listen, please don't hear this message as a kind of a marketing pitch that is selling you carn money like a product. Instead, hear this all again as our church family's prayer book. It's kind of what this is. And in light of that, perhaps then I could encourage you all to return to this all-in prayer book, these vision and values series at maybe some key intervals this year, say maybe at half term or Easter or January, as a means of helping you to pray, as a means of helping you to stay honest about where you're at with becoming like Christ and also to stay focused on your own responsibility in building the kingdom of God, yes, in here, but more importantly, out there. Deeper, closer, wider. This is what we are praying for, and this is what we are going after as a church. So stay with me as we continue on with this series today. So on to today's theme, theme, growing closer as family. Let's read God's word and then we'll think about this theme together. Acts 2 verses 42 through 47, the fellowship 
of the believers. This is God's word. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anybody who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And we end there giving thanks to God for his word and for how it still speaks to us today. Growing closer as family. Here is what we are praying for and working towards in Carnmoney. We want to be a church that feels like a large family where everyone feels connected with others and able to share their lives in close community. And there are two key questions that we're going to think about today from Acts chapter 2, which will help us to explore this theme and will also help us to think about how we will grow closer here in Carnmoney this year. Two questions. The first is this, why did these early believers choose to grow closer to each other? And secondly, what was practically required to make this community grow closer So teaching, then application. That's pretty much where we're going. So let's start with question one. Why did these early believers choose to grow closer to each other? Well, we have to remind ourselves of the context of the passage first. It does matter. In Acts 2, over 3,000 people come to faith and form the early Christian church, following on from Pentecost and Peter's sermon to the crowds. We've been thinking about that over the last couple of weeks. And while some of those people may well have been Gentiles, verses 5 through 11 emphasize that the significant majority of them were Jews from every nation under heaven. And this diverse mixture of Jews, they had initially traveled from near and far for the festival of Pentecost in Jerusalem. Sources suggest over 100,000 people would have flooded into the city at the time. And the festival of Pentecost was a long-standing Jewish tradition. It had been happening for approximately 1,500 years prior to this moment. And it always happened 50 days after Passover feasting. At this festival, the Jews would give up an offering of new grain to God in accordance with the commands in Leviticus 23 and Numbers 28. And so in a way, this was really the festival of the first fruits, a new offering to God for the year. And it is into this season that the Lord resurrects Christ from the dead and sends the Holy Spirit as the new first fruit of faith for the people of God. The old order has now gone and now God has promised resurrection from death and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to all, to everybody who would believe and follow Jesus. But it is also into this context that God powerfully forms and binds together a new family of faith. And so the question is, why? Why did this happen? 
Why did this diverse mixture of early believers, why did they sacrifice everything to become a family? Why did God do this? And why did they follow? I mean, why didn't they just hear Peter's sermon? Think about this. Why didn't they just hear the sermon and then just return back to their families and normal lives? You know, we know it well. Hear the sermon, maybe raise a hand in the response time, maybe get some prayer and then just head on home. Why this significant and rapid movement towards one another? Well, there's three reasons. And the first one is this. They chose to grow closer. They grew closer because this is what we are each designed to do. The biblical narrative repeatedly reiterates that we are fundamentally designed to live in close community with God and then with each other. And this is what creates human flourishing. And when we believe in Jesus and are filled by the Spirit of God, we are increasingly drawn back and back and back to this original design, God's image-bearing people in fellowship with Him and with each other. Therefore, as we continue on in the journey of faith, we become more and more like Him, don't we? And because God himself exists in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are therefore increasingly bound together in close community with him and with each other. And right throughout scripture, God has been doing this. He is binding his people together in family-like community with himself and with others. Think about it. Right at the beginning of the story, God makes Eve because it was not good for Adam to be alone. And then God walks with them in the garden. This is family-like community. Later on, God saves Noah's family from the flood. Family-like community. God then forms a people group through Abraham and he dwells with them, family-like community. Fast forward, Jesus calls out a group of 12 disciples and invests his whole life in them, family-like community. Then God forms the church from every tribe, nation, and tongue, as we're thinking about today, and he continues to do that right through to the day in our context, family-like community. Do you see this? Family-like community is a part of God himself, and it's a part of his plan for every one of us. We were made for deep communion with him and each other. And more specifically, I could go to great lengths to demonstrate why this kind of deep connection with one another is actually really important to our well-being. From studying various psychology modules over the years, I can categorically tell you that there are reams of empirical research evidence which reaffirm this biblical truth. Did you know that social isolation, social isolation is as strongly correlated with premature death, anxiety, depression, stress, and heart disease as smoking, obesity, and physical inactivity are? just a strongly correlated social isolation. And did you know that there are some specific reward pathways that are wired into your brain structure that are only stimulated when you are heard and seen and loved by other people? Just like the Bible originally told us, it's not just simply being with others, which is best for us. It's being seen and heard and valued and loved, which is critical, it's imperative to our well-being. 
And remember, there is a marked difference in being in a crowd or just being in a group of people versus being in real community with others, isn't there? Sadly, just being in a room full of people, perhaps like this, or just being in a crowd, sometimes that can be the loneliest place on earth. And the late actor Robin Williams, many of you will know him, he summarized this best when he said this. I used to think that the worst thing in life was to end up alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is to end up with people who make you feel alone. God never wants us to feel that way. So he calls each of us individually by name. And then he surrounds us with other people who will care for us and love us and walk with us. Perhaps I need to remind you that Jesus did this all the time, didn't he? Peter and Andrew, I see you. I love you. Come follow me. Come join my family of followers. James and John, I value you. I know you. Come follow me. Come join my family of followers. Zacchaeus, come out of that tree. Come and eat with me. Join my family of followers. Jesus was always doing this, drawing people to himself and drawing them into community. And so you might put some of it like this. Individual care, individual calling, but always into your community of following. We were designed to be in family-like community. And so it's then no wonder that when we individually respond to God's call to faith, that God gifts us with a church family. Hear this. In as much as God is after individuals, he is forming a called out people from across the earth. And just as we see right throughout scripture and in our own context today, the work of the Holy Spirit here in Acts 2 was to form a new family of faith. So why did these believers, why did these early Jewish converts, why did they grow closer? Why did they become this devoted family? Well, firstly, they did so because of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, which was drawing them back to the Creator's good, original design. Communion with Him, community with others. But secondly, and as well as that, these early believers, they grew closer because of their devotion to Jesus' example and to His commands. Look again at verse 42. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This newfound family of faith, what did they value most? The order in verse 42 gives it away. Think about this. The word of God comes first in that list. Being together comes second. Eating together and sharing in communion comes third. Prayer comes fourth. And then later, it's signs, wonders, and growth. But note this. God's word comes first. It was valued most. Well, okay, okay, Shane, what would the apostles then have been teaching on from God's word? If they valued God's word most, what would these apostles have been teaching on to these new believers well, put yourself in their shoes. There is a tsunami of biblically astute and well-educated converts who are asking question after question about faith in Jesus Christ. 
Remember, these Jews, they would have known the Old Testament through and through. They knew their stuff. So what would you, if you were one of the apostles, what would you teach them? What would the disciples and apostles' first preaching series be on? Jesus' life and his commands. They would have been teaching on their experiences of Jesus and his commands. Get this, which included the new biblical command to love one another. John 13, verses 34, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. John 15, verses 12 through 14, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. John 15, verses 17, this is my command, love each other. Jesus lived his whole life sacrificially, and he embodied this kind of sacrificial love perfectly. And so Jesus gets to command, Jesus gets to command this of us. And the apostles would have been teaching on this over and over and over again. And please note that this is a command. This isn't like a suggestion from Jesus. This isn't a love each other if you want to. This isn't a love each other if you're up for it. This isn't a love each other if things are going well in your life. Love was the example and the new command from Jesus himself. And the early believers revered it. Be warned, church, our friendship with Jesus is only real if we love each other. I.e., loving one another is an authenticating marker of real, genuine faith. So if we want to know how we're really getting on with following Jesus, perhaps we need to ask ourselves honestly, how is our love right now for each other? The reality is that the disciples and apostles would have been primarily teaching these new converts about Jesus' sacrificial love and his command to do the same. So secondly, why did these believers grow closer Why did these early believers uproot their lives and sell their possessions and meet every day and meet in their homes and devote their entire lives to each other? Why did they do it? They did so because they devoted themselves to the example of Jesus and to his commands. But thirdly then, they also grew closer because they knew that their love would spread the gospel. Read the second part of John 13 says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this is the important bit. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As the disciples and apostles taught these new converts what it means to follow Jesus, they would have been emphasizing this second part of Jesus' new command as well. How would this newfound church family become distinct among other people groups? How would this newfound church family become distinctive on the face of the earth? How would this newfound church family grow? How would the gospel spread? Through the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit? Yep. Through the preaching of the word of God? Yep. But also through the demonstration of the word, which boils down to love. 
through the work of the Holy Spirit and the teaching of the disciples and apostles, these early believers would have begun to realize that their love for one another would set them apart as God's people and would have been a key way that the gospel would spread. And what's beautiful is that they didn't just know this as a theoretical concept. They were actually seeing this happen daily in their midst too. Because in verse 47 that we just read, it says, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Growth because of their love. Gospel advancement because of their love. God's kingdom coming because of their love. And moreover, this pattern went on and on and on for hundreds of years as the church grew rapidly, especially throughout years of horrendous persecution. This love grew so great that actually these Christians would eventually be prepared to die for each other. Indeed, Tertullian, an early Roman theologian, theologian famously wrote this. He says, look how these Christians love one another and are ready to die for each other. As often as we are mown down by you, the more we grow in numbers. The blood of Christians is the seed. The gospel spread because of this kind of love for God and this kind of incredible love for each other in the church. And the same is still true today. It's no wonder that most often we become Christians through other people who walk with us, who love us, who listen to us, who care, who go out of their way for us. Think of your own story for a moment. Parents and grandparents and family members and friends and youth workers who prayed for you individually for years, who walked with you, who listened to you, who reached out to you when you were far off from God. The gospel got to you because of their love. So in sum, why did these early believers grow closer to each other? Number one, because of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, which was drawing them back to the Creator's good original design. Fellowship with Him and fellowship with each other. Number two, because they devoted themselves to the example of Jesus and to His commands. And lastly, because they knew that their love would spread the gospel. Carn Money Church, why? Why should we make every effort this year to grow closer? Number one, because of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, which is drawing all of us back to God's good design. Number two, because we are all called to follow the example and the commands of Jesus. And number three, because our love for each other will spread the gospel. That's it. Those are the whys of growing closer this year. And if those are the whys of growing closer, then what about the how? How did they actually grow closer? And how will we grow closer? What is practically required to make this happen? Well, among many things that I could talk about this morning, I just want to mention two things that I feel are really important for us in this season in Carmoni. Firstly, sacrifice, and secondly, administration. How did these early believers actually go about growing closer? They were willing to sacrifice everything. And secondly, they were administrating their love really well. And we'll go a little bit quicker here. 
Firstly, they were willing to sacrifice everything for each other, and this is remarkable. Verses 44 and 45 say, All the believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. We can quickly read that and miss the exceptional amount of sacrifice and commonality in here. It's so easy to read those two lines and not fully appreciate the level of sacrifice that is in there. It is incredible. But then if we fast forward to Acts 4, we go on down the line a little bit more in the story. Acts 4 verses 32 through 35, we actually see that this sacrifice grew even greater among the early church. We read this, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. Go ahead and highlight that in your Bible. Go ahead and highlight that in your notes. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the seals and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Incredible, incredible individual sacrifice, which multiplied into collective sacrifice as they, these believers were growing closer and closer and closer. And notice this, because this is really important. Notice how it says in all of those passages that we've looked at, it says, all of the believers. Highlight that, all of the believers, not just some of the believers, not just the disciples or the apostles, not just the leaders, not just the rich or the poor, not just men or women, all, everyone, everyone was in on this. Sacrifice became core in the culture. To steal language from the book of Romans, they were outdoing one another in honor. They were loving one another with brotherly affection. And so you might well ask, what was specifically being sacrificed then, Shane? Well, a lot of things. Let's think about a few. They sacrificed a love of self. They were focusing on each other. This church thing wasn't a consumer thing. They were focusing on each other and they were choosing to love the other. And as part of that, they also would have been sacrificing their own dream of community. And this is really interesting, and it's actually quite easy to miss. Remember, Jewish people had this dream of a Messiah who was a military leader who would come and with force would reclaim all of their lands and military standing. But instead, these believers adopted God's version of community as they followed Jesus. And that community wasn't about military domination or power. That community was all about sacrificial love for God and for each other. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer famously reiterated the importance of this level of sacrifice when he said this among Christian community. The person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community wherever they go. These early Jewish believers, they sacrificed their dream of military community. And instead, they chose a community of sacrificial love, not of war and domination. To continue on, what else did they have to sacrifice? What else were they sacrificing? They would have been sacrificing their pride because they would have had to forgive each other. They're just like us. 
these early believers aren't all that different to us. They would have got it wrong. They would have let each other down at times. They would have had to sacrifice their pride and forgive each other. They would have sacrificed their interests and their conversation. They were stepping out of their comfort zones to get to know each other. Awkward conversations. Remember, this is a diverse mixture of Jews. They would have had to have awkward conversations and step towards each other. They would have been sacrificing their religious status and their understanding. Remember, they were choosing as biblically astute people to become like students. They were willing to be taught by the apostles. As well as that, they would have sacrificed their cultural predispositions. They were willing to cross cultural barriers to welcome each other into their homes. They would have sacrificed their time. To be together this much actually requires a huge sacrifice of time. They sacrificed their money because they were ensuring that everyone was looked after. Remember, no one had a need. They were all giving up some of their money. Some even sold their houses to help others in need. So what was being sacrificed? Everything. They were all Every one of them, they were willing to sacrifice everything as they grew closer and closer with God and each other. And such is the call of the gospel to us here today in Carnmoney. Folks, how will we grow closer this year? We all have to sacrifice. This faith thing isn't all about you. This church thing isn't all about you. It's about us It's about we. It's about sacrifice. So how will we grow closer this year? Sacrifice. And then lastly, administration. Upon our sacrifice must then come intentional and detailed administration. In verse 34 of Acts 4, I got you to highlight this. There were no needy persons among them. Wow. Thousands of people. How were there no needy persons among them? Administration. The early church was devoted to intentional and detailed administration. You know, we so often forget about administration when it comes to our responsibility in the church, don't we? But yet we can't really love each other if we don't administrate well. In the early church, it's clear that there was great hospitality, there was great administration, and there was great organization. They were breaking up into small groups and homes. This wasn't all about the big gatherings. They were identifying and following leaders. They were inviting each other into their houses. They were letting people live and stay with them. They were cooking meals for each other. They were entrusting their money to each other. They were intentionally sharing their faith with others in their homes and their workplaces. They were administrating their love for each other really well. Carmoney Church, we simply cannot function as a healthy family unless we administrate well. And if you need me to be more specific on that, well, here's some thoughts. Who's going to open up their home regularly to others this year? Who's going to invite new people into our community? Who's going to invite people to services or to Alpha, like Lisa just encouraged us on this morning? Who's going to introduce themselves to the person beside them in the pew? Who's going to send text messages and organize coffee when it seems like someone's drifting from church? Who's going to send meals to the house of someone who is ill Who are going to be the ones to look out for people on the fringes? 
Who's going to pray with people and talk about faith at dinner tables? Who's going to sign up to run Carn Money on a Friday night, not for the purposes of running, but for the purposes of building the kingdom and the community of God here in Carn Money? Who's going to do it? And again, this isn't the specific spiritual gift of administration that we're talking about here. Please note that. We can so easily hear all of this and just think, ah, do you know what? That's for other people. They're really gifted at administration. That's their job. They can do it. And that's not what we see here. This passage, these verses are emphasizing our own individual responsibility as a part of this church family. This kind of administration and intentionality is for all of us. And so how did the early church practically grow closer? And Carn Money, how will we grow closer this year? Sacrifice and administration. Sacrifice and administration. And so just as I try to close this morning and wrap all of this up, growing closer as family. Why should we, like the early church, why should we grow closer this year? Because of the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, drawing us back to the Creator's good design. Because we are called to follow the example and commands of Jesus. And because our love for each other will spread the gospel. And then how will we practically do it? How will we actually go about growing closer this year? Thousands and thousands and thousands of intentional decisions from every single one of us to sacrifice ourselves and to administrate our love really well. And just as we move to a response uh, and the guys can come back up and get set to lead us in song, I'd just love to pray over five things this morning. And I know that that sounds like a lot, but I really feel led to pray over these five groups. First, as I prepared over the last couple of weeks, I had a real sense that there are people here who are just neither here or there on church. Maybe church has just hurt you or has let you down. Maybe you've just lost sight of what this all is actually about. But for whatever reason, you're about to give up on church. If that's you, please hear me. Don't give up. Don't give up on church. Please do not do it. Wherever you are or whatever has happened, God is always, he's always calling you to Christian community and he wants to restore and recapture your heart. Community is the best thing for you, even if you feel distant or cold. And so in a moment or two, I'm gonna pray for healing and that God would recapture your heart and your mind for community. Secondly, I have a sense that others here in the room this morning, that others need to return to the why of growing closer that we just thought about. Maybe you've lost sight of the reason that you're a part of this church family. Maybe you've just been going through church attending good living motions. Maybe you've lost your love for Jesus and for others. I'm going to pray that the Lord imprints the why of growing closer on your mind this week. Third, I had a sense that for some of you, you've lost your sense of responsibility around the how of growing closer. Maybe if you're honest, you've become a bit of a consumer of church and you just lack zeal. You're just lacking in sacrifice. You're lacking in intentionality with your love of others. 
maybe some of this, I'm not a people person. (laughs) Maybe some of this, people exhaust me. Maybe some of this, I hate people type nonsense has slipped into your chat. I'm going to pray for a confrontation with truth this morning. Fourth, maybe some of you just need more energy to grow closer in this next year here in Carmony. Maybe some of you have been sacrificially serving and administrating your love for years now, and actually you're just really tired and you're tempted to put the feet up. I want to pray strength and refreshment over you as you aim to grow closer with others this year. Fifth and lastly, Maybe some of you are surrounded by community, church community, all of the time, but you've just lost Jesus at the center of those relationships. Maybe you don't talk much about Jesus anymore. Maybe you don't pray much with Christian friends. Maybe your group has lost that faith distinctive. If that's you, I'm going to pray that God would help you to recenter your relationships on Christ in this next while. And so let's just spend a moment in prayer and create a little bit of space here. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. And so Lord God, in the stillness and in the quiet and after a lot has been said, we thank you so much for your word to us. Lord God, we thank you so much for surrounding us with a church family. But this morning, Lord, I want to pray especially for those who were just mentioned. For those about to give up on church, we pray that you would recapture their hearts and their minds. For those who have lost sight of why we are called to grow closer, would you restore their love? Would you restore their vision, we pray. For those who have become consumers, we pray that you would confront them with truth this morning. For those who need more energy to keep going and loving others, would you strengthen and revive. And finally, for those who have lost Christ at the center of relationships, help them to re-center their thinking and give them intentionality in this next season. Lord God, we love you. Lord God, we thank you so much for your church. We pray that you would help us to grow closer this year. And now as we close and come to worship, we pray that you would continue to minister to us as we respond in song. Amen.